Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'm Shannon Bream. I'm Bill Hemmer. I'm Kennedy. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, September 5th, 2022. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. This Labor Day, Americans are working, but inflation is squeezing what we make. As members of Congress on both sides of the aisle promise they're working on creating more jobs of the future. Uh, We need to make baby formula in this country. We need to make masks in this country. It's not just the high tech stuff. Uh, We've lost a lot of our industrial base. I'm Chris Foster. The price of insulin has been going up for years, so much that people are skipping doses, getting sick or dying. This is a absolute pandemic, if you will, of pricing and accessibility for Americans. And I'm Tom Shalhoub. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. This Labor Day, many of us are working. We have jobs. Unemployment stands at 3.7%, a slight increase as more people look for work. President Biden spoke Friday after the latest jobs numbers showed a gain of 315,000 jobs in August. Working age, women are now, for the first time, back at work at rates not seen since before the pandemic. But even as American workers' wages have gone up over 5% in the past year, it has simply not been enough to keep pace with inflation, which in mid-August had risen 8.5% over the prior year. How inflation is impacting workers may be the focus of politicians ahead of midterms. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy framed it this way on Fox and Friends last week. I'd ask a simple question to every American. Could you afford to give up one month's salary? I believe most people would say no, but that's exactly what Joe Biden's administration's taken from you. There is some critical bipartisanship, though, when it comes to workers. Both sides insist they want to see more things made in America and more workers with higher end tech and manufacturing jobs. Last week, White House spokeswoman Karine Jean-Pierre highlighted another major company's plans for a semiconductor plant in the U.S. Micron is investing $15 billion over the next decade at a manufacturing facility in Idaho, and they directly credit the passage of the CHIPS Act that made this possible. The CHIPS Act was signed this summer with bipartisan support. Intel cited the CHIPS Act as a reason to move forward with their semiconductor expansion in Columbus, Ohio. But even before the CHIPS Act passed, Arizona Republican Governor Doug Ducey was highlighting this spring that Intel is building two new semiconductor plants in Arizona, Taiwan Semiconductor is building a new facility outside of Phoenix, and that has attracted new supply companies. These companies have helped create more than 22,000 manufacturing jobs, and they've positioned Arizona as the number four state in the nation for semiconductor exports. Some in Congress have their eye on even more companies being in even more states, including a Silicon Valley Democrat who went far from his district recently to talk to people in rural areas about bringing tech and advanced manufacturing to their workforce. I believe our country made a strategic mistake when we offshored all our production and we decided it wasn't important to make things or build things in America. California Democratic Congressman Ro Khanna. We're losing out to China, where they're leading in building in new battery plants, new semiconductor plants, new electric vehicle plants. I want to make sure that 
the new factories, the new industries are here in the United States. And we can do that because we have the technology, but we need to be investing it in communities across the country and partnering to build new industries. And that's why I've been out there uh, championing that. One might assume you have more tech world contacts than others because of you represent the area. Um, Have these companies told you they would move to the middle of Indiana? I went to IU, go Hoosiers, or Iowa or Wisconsin (laughs) or any of these other places. Like we see the the expanded semiconductor fabs going up in, you know, like Columbus, Ohio. And we've heard, you know, Governor Ducey in Arizona talk about semiconductor plants going up outside Phoenix. But do you know for sure that some of these tech companies would go to the Midwest? Well, Intel, as you pointed out, is going to be investing in Columbus, Ohio. I'm going to be there on September 9th, and I worked on the CHIPS legislation that will enable them to do that and enable semiconductors uh, to come into Arizona. Some of these tech companies I've been working with to hire and uh, build partnerships with community colleges like Des Moines Community College, Allegheny County Community College, uh, where Google is partnering uh, to hire people from there and, uh, and credential them. And that's because there's a great, talented workforce But you don't just need tech companies uh, going there. I mean, a lot of advanced manufacturing, whether it is in batteries, electric vehicles, steel, next generation of paper or textiles, uh, it can take place across the Midwest and the South, especially because that's part of the country has such a manufacturing tradition. And we can use the tools of a modern technology to increase productivity and make that competitive in the United States. This seems like a bipartisan issue, right? Made in America, more American jobs. We heard that from former President Trump, and it's a super hot issue, especially after the pandemic. The COVID tests that I got at Target still say made in China. But you want the government to maybe do more spending on this than maybe some Republicans might like. I I think it was two years ago you said a trillion for the 21st Century Jobs Act. Is that amount still needed in your mind? I do over 10 years, but I think... What built American industry after World War II was a partnership between federal financing or purchase agreements, business leaders, labor, community colleges, all working to have industry. And the reality is other countries are rolling out the red carpet. They're providing all this subsidy and we need to compete. And so my view is you can have zero interest loans. You can have purchase agreements. You can have some financing. It's got to be the private sector making the things, uh, but we need to build these new factories in the U.S. Why does the government, though, need to spend any money? Can't states just incentivize tech companies, you know, with tax breaks or other things rather than like fronting any cash to to get these companies to move? Well, it takes a lot of money, as you know, to start an Intel plant and their uh, the state efforts would be insignificant or not enough. Uh, states don't have the money. To, it wouldn't be enough without the federal government, especially when you have Germany, Japan, the European Union, uh, Korea, China telling these companies to come move offshore. I think that there need to be strict conditions on any of the financing. Uh, there needs to be a commitment that they don't offshore the jobs. There needs to be a commitment that the money doesn't just go into stock buybacks, that they create good paying jobs. But if they are committed to doing that, uh, we need to make baby formula in this country. We need to make masks in this country. It's not just the high tech stuff. Uh, we've lost a lot of our industrial base. I want to ask you about inflation's impact on workers this Labor Day. And I want to read you this. 21% of Americans reported taking on extra work in light of inflation per a July survey from Civic Science. That jumps to almost half among 18 to 24-year-olds. 29% say they've changed jobs or taken on additional work to increase their income. Is inflation actually driving jobs numbers higher? 
And what is the solution? Because the Inflation Reduction Act talks, as you know, about climate change and, and Medicare. I'm, I'm not sure how that will really help people better afford groceries and gas right now. Well, there's no doubt that inflation remains an issue. Now, gas prices have been fortunately coming down, but they still remain uh, too They're high. Still really high, yeah. But we need to, to take action on uh, on inflation. The Fed's finally doing it. I mean, the Fed, in my view, uh, was engaged in buying mortgage securities for too long. They printed too much money. They're finally raising rates. And I think that is uh, going to bring inflation under control. What the Inflation Reduction Act will do is on prescription drug prices by allowing Medicare to negotiate. It can have an impact on that. And by making more things in America, uh, we can save shipping costs and bring costs down. But those are longer term solutions. In the short term, I agree with you. People are hurting on food prices, on gas prices. And the Fed really is the place that can make the biggest impact. The Fed has promised, you know, Jerome Powell, as you know, last week said more pain is on the horizon. It's, it's going to get worse before it gets better. What are Democrats? What are you hoping to do in the short term? I mean, you sounds like you're saying this is kind of on the Fed, but what can politicians do? What can Congress do in the short term? Well, we can put more money in the pocket of working class families by reducing costs. So I think we can reduce the medical costs. Uh, I have said that there should be a tax on windfall oil companies profits and a check, a rebate check to Americans for their gas price. Uh, there are things like that that help families that have uh, huge increases in their costs. Uh, but ultimately, in terms of controlling inflation, that is a monetary issue that the Fed has to tackle. Doesn't putting more money into people's pockets actually make inflation worse if you're encouraging more spending? Well, it will if you put large stimulus checks, but I don't think it's unfair to tax the big oil companies that are making record profits and have some of that money instead of going to shareholders, go to ordinary Americans for covering the cost of gas. I mean, we're not talking about huge checks that are going to drive inflation. We're talking about 300 bucks every few months so that the profits that are going to the oil companies are actually going to Americans with the high gas bills. Well, based on what you just said, do you then feel that stimulus checks in, in light of COVID spending, the American Rescue Plan, did, did that drive some of this inflation then? Well, it's undeniable that the stimulus checks under both President Trump and Joe Biden, remember, President Trump did it in December of 2020, and then we did another one in March of 2021. Anyone would say, of course, that had some inflationary impact, but it also helped save a lot of people from unemployment. It saved a lot of people from eviction. We were in the midst of the pandemic, and it was the right thing to do at that time. The challenge is that uh, the Fed at the same time was buying back mortgage securities and uh, had a way too much quantitative easing. And so I put the main burden on inflation on the Fed not having anticipated it soon enough. Congressman, on student loan debt forgiveness, you've argued that, um, speaking of the right thing to do, you've said it was the right thing to do. And I, I heard you say uh, to our own Neil Cavuto that, you know, education and healthcare are not like car loans or even electricity payments, um, that, that even higher education like K through 12 should be free. I have two things on that. How much more would you propose taxing the wealthiest Americans to pay for free higher education for all? I do think exactly that just like we have K through 12 in a modern economy, we need community college to be free or a four-year public college to be free, uh, including vocational school. It would cost, the estimates are, about $700 billion over 10 years to do that. And the bill that I'm on calls for a Wall Street transaction tax of 0.05% on every Wall Street transaction. 
which other countries have, that would raise the revenue to pay for that. So it's not just taxing billionaires, it's a tax on Wall Street speculation that could cover the cost for that. And my second question on that front is, if it were free, should there be any rules regarding what someone majors in? Like to our point about, you know, bringing tech jobs and tech companies to to different areas of the country. Um, you know, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida argued against student loan debt forgiveness, saying that, you know, taxpayers shouldn't have to subsidize like gender study degrees. If you get a free college education, should the free part only apply to those who, you know, want to get a job that's maybe of greater value? Well, no, because I think that the liberal arts education and tradition is, has been great for America in terms of being innovative and creative. I mean, the reason we outcompete China today and everyone turn out engineers, but we're, we're more innovative, we're more creative, we're more willing to take risks because we don't just turn out entre- uh, engineers, we turn out entrepreneurs. But what I will say is that we need these public colleges to be incentivized to work more with their local businesses, to be integrated with them so that there is a clearer a pathway for people getting jobs, that there do need to be requirements to continue to be in these free colleges and requirements in terms of attendance, requirements in terms of completion, so that people are working hard in the public colleges. Finally, Congressman, you're a California representative. I'm a California native. Have to ask your thoughts about this ban on new combustible engine car sales after 2035. We know that the state has emission benchmarks, renewable use benchmarks, But living in California almost all my life, you know, we've had those growing use of the flex alerts, right? The requests from CalISO to limit electricity usage. Don't use your major appliances until evening. Set your thermostats to 78 or higher. I know you've you've heard this this argument and this line of criticism, but how can California's grid truly handle any increased use, especially in summer, if the push is to go electric? Well, we need more investment in solar and wind and nuclear. I support the Apple Canada at nuclear uh, in all forms of energy. And, and we can do it by 2035 if we have a larger commitment to a moonshot in, in renewable. And California has already been almost uh, 40% clean energy. But we, gotta, we have to continue to, to double down on that investment. Congressman Rokana, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. This is Tom Shalhoub with your Fox News commentary. Coming up. Americans already paying more for insulin than anyone in the world have been forced to pay even more to stay healthy and alive in some cases. There is some relief in the Inflation Reduction Act passed by Congress, a $35 cap on monthly insulin costs for the millions of diabetics on Medicare. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer calls it a significant step in the fight to lower prescription drug prices. Ever since I got here in the Senate in 1999, we've been trying to do this, and finally we have. Democrats wanted that $35 cap to apply to private insurance as well, but the Senate parliamentarian ruled that falls outside the budget rules Democrats were using to sidestep a Republican filibuster. Seven Republicans voted with Democrats to keep that private insurance provision in there, but that was three short of the 60 votes needed. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says everyone wants to help struggling families. But you know what will not achieve that goal? Empowering some Biden administration bureaucrat to sit down at a desk 
and arbitrarily name the price that manufacturers can charge. Congress could pass a standalone insulin bill, but for now, a lot of people can't afford their medicine. This is a absolute pandemic, if you will, of pricing and accessibility for Americans. Dr. Mark Siegel is a Fox News medical contributor, internal medicine specialist, and a professor at New York University Medical School. It's another product that's life-sustaining and can't be monkeying around with. Even if you understand why a pharmaceutical company would be profit-based, obviously we can't have people dying or rationing or extending or not having something that's life-saving. And everybody, every American probably agrees with that. There's 1.6 million Americans that are type 1 diabetics, meaning they can't live without insulin. They're going to end up in a hospital. They're going to end up in a coma. They're going to end up with something called diabetic ketoacidosis. Life-threatening sounds bad, is bad. 1.6 million Americans need their insulin. 200,000 of them are less than 20 years old. We also have 7.4 million Americans who rely on insulin, who maybe I could figure out other ways, but I need, I'd like insulin to be part of what they're getting. And to keep in mind, newer oral agents are emerging that are terrific, like Jardians is one, but, but a lot of them are not covered by insurance well either. And so we have a crisis going on in treating our diabetics, and we have a burgeoning amount of diabetics because of our weight problem in the United States. So all of this feeds into the final point, which is there's only three main manufacturers of insulin in the United States. Does anybody own the patent to insulin? Is, is this a production problem or, or what? Is it just that can anybody just start a plant and just bang out insulin? No. And that is the issue. It's these three main manufacturers. Now, Interestingly enough, states have the right to develop their own plan, despite what I just said. And some states like California are actually trying to do that where they make their own insulin. That is not going to be the solution. That's too spotty. And it's not a, you know, a Pan-America solution, if you will. But state, state health departments are getting involved in this. That's how bad the, the problem is. But why is it just these three? Is it just because this is these, these are the three people who've taken it on? Because quality and 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 uh, quality control is so important with a product like insulin. These are the three manufacturers who have made it profitable for themselves. It's very hard for a small company to be able to do this. There's a lot of regulations, restrictions, and manufacturing challenges. Is this one of those things where you know you're you're at the line at the pharmacy and they say it's you know your copay is five bucks, ten bucks, and then you overhear the list price? And it's a thousand bucks. Does anybody pay that thousand dollars or is is it like the rack rate at a hotel where nobody's really paying it? So that's a really good question. The answer is that one of the problems in the U.S. drug market is that the real price is obscured from the consumer in this. And the middlemen like pharmacy benefit managers gobble up profits that you don't even know about. So the list price is in the thousands jacked up by the drug company. By the time it gets to the consumer, they only see it in a copay. But those copays are going up. And that's how come there's been a public alert. But the original price, as you just pointed out, could get transferred directly to someone that doesn't have the insurance coverage. And that's now part of the problem because the latest insulins aren't covered by everyone. And so one of the things I actually like about the change that's in the Inflation Reduction Act, I don't like it that much, but I like that it's actually handling the Medicare part of this, because the last thing I want is for my elderly and disabled patients to have this problem. So I would say this is a good place to start where there's a $35 insulin copay cap for people with Medicare, where you know they don't pay the full cost of their insulin, where there's a cap of 2,000 annual prescription drug costs in Medicare, 
All of this I like because those patients are very difficult. I'm looking at this from a physician's point of view who takes care of these patients. And it's impossible for us to take care of an elderly diabetic who has seven other medical problems who can't afford their insulin or their copay. That's a a mess. So I think this was a good place to start. But I pointed out to you at the beginning that there's 200,000 type 1 diabetics less than 20 years old. Clearly, the Medicare reform isn't going to cover that. And the original plan that was on the table in, in Congress was for all commercial payers, too. And it's not in there now. Yeah, the Republicans, um, for whatever reason, uh, didn't seem politically terrific. But I guess, the, you know, there are economic reasons for it. The, the Republicans killed a provision that would have made everybody uh, not everybody, but people with uh, private insurance, as well as Medicare and Medicaid, uh, have it capped at $35. Can Congress even control that? Is there any precedent for that? Yeah, they can do it. They can set a limitation on prices, but that might also drive the manufacturers out of business. I think what you're seeing here is, you know, I think maybe Republicans tend to be more conscious of big business. The Democrats are, are not really necessarily on behalf of the little guy, because I just told you that there's pharmacy benefit managers that are taking the profits out of the middle of this mess. So just simply capping it isn't the solution. We need major reform here. And the Republicans are looking out more for the drug manufacturers in this case. I'm looking out for both. I don't want to see those. Those are great companies. I, I mean, they have other ways of making profits, but this needs a reform from within more than just a capping it is a, is a Band-Aid on the situation, but it's, a, it's an essential Band-Aid. Is the middleman baked into the system at this point? Is there a way to carve out uh, some of those costs that don't really benefit anybody except for the pockets of the people in the middle? Fantastic question. I think the place to start with that would be to get rid of the opacity in the system and make everybody aware of who's getting what. I, you asked that a few minutes ago, like, how much does this insulin really cost? I don't think that people realize it's thousands of dollars. All they care about is the copay. But before it gets to them, there's a negotiation that goes on between the drug and the insurance companies and the third party payers, so to speak. And then they're in the middlemen. So my answer is, I think, and this may be naive, that if a patient knew that there was even a middle manager in there, it might raise an eyebrow that could maybe get some pressure on the on the situation. These are invisible profit makers. Yeah, I don't know how anybody in your profession does it. I mean, at least you have the support of a behemoth like New York University. I have a friend who is an old fashioned shingle doctor. It's him and his office. And I have no idea how he uh, negotiates this stuff on top of seeing patients. Well, you know, by the way, I thought you said you're going to say a big behemoth like Fox News behind (laughs) me, which is also true. And it's why we're doing this story. But I actually uh, at NYU, I actually think that There's a subtlety here that I want to emphasize, which is it's hard for a physician to know what do you do if you're a physician and you know that the new kid on the block, the new drug is better than the old drug, that the old drug works, but you can't get insurance to cover the new drug. I mean, I'm very, very keen on two drugs. One is semiglutide that Novo Nordisk has a a version of it out. And that is a drug that helps with diabetes, but also helps with weight dramatically. And then terzepatide, which is coming out from Lilly, it's on the road. But we don't cover any of our obesity drugs. So listen, more and more of our new diabetic pills or shots are covering not just diabetes, but obesity at the same time. And it's, it's very, very hard to get that across because insurance companies don't like covering weight loss drugs 
which boggles my mind. I keep saying, why don't they want to cover weight loss drugs? And I, I don't want to be cynical here, but I guess it's not in the profit model. If an insurance company covers a weight loss drug, you don't end up with that heart disease or you don't need them or you're, you're healthy. So you don't you don't need the same level of insurance. I'm not sure, but I'm particularly disturbed about that. And by the way, how this relates to the Inflation Reduction Act, which, of course, has a lot of uh, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of that, but I but I am liking the idea that they've maneuvered it so that your insulin payments are not part of your Medicare deductible per year. I like that a lot. Well, I guess they're going to the Democrats are going to try a standalone vote on on this provision to cap commercial insurance rates as well. We'll see what happens there. Um, Correct. Yeah. Um, the Centers for Disease Control, uh, Dr. Michelle Walensky, did sort of this mea culpa. We we could have done better with uh, the coronavirus pandemic, um, and we want to streamline things and speed things up. Do you know what she's talking about? What do you think? I actually think that she took a bold move and a step forward. So first of all, the culture of the CDC is retroactive, not proactive. And it looks based on vetting and careful red tape, almost Kafka committees meeting before anything gets out, vetting, publishing. Now they're moving in a direction of online and quicker response and more of a pipeline to the director so that they can give out pronouncements in real time. That's not the only problem that occurred during the pandemic. The other was that every piece of guidance they put out, that even if it sounded confused or was going back and forth, ended up being adopted by states and local local municipalities for mandates. And I don't I, I, I never felt that that worked well. So they're working on messaging. They're working on bringing data more more online. And I actually see evidence of that already in monkeypox. And I'm writing about that. I have a piece coming out on that, how it's already starting to work with monkeypox. But they got a long way to go. And they definitely were uneven and self-contradictory. She admitted to me that she thinks being humble in the face of an evolving infectious disease situation is hugely important. And I agree with that. One more point about this, Chris. She's taken the hit here, but people don't realize she's being scapegoated, too. Because where's Bashira? Where's the HHS secretary? You know, there's the NIH. There's not just there's FDA. I've talked. We're having a, a big conversation about FDA reform. When we're talking about insulin, we're also talking about the need for FDA reform. So there's more organizations involved with this than just CDC. And there's more people within CDC to talk about than just Michelle Walensky. She's an infectious disease specialist. She's a public health expert. She did a lot of great work with HIV. I admire her for coming forward. Dr. Mark Siegel, Fox News medical contributor. He's a medical professor and an internal medicine specialist at New York University Langone Medical Center. Dr. Siegel, thanks a lot. Great to be on with you. Thank you. Here's a look at the week ahead. Monday. Millions of Americans will be traveling and enjoying the Labor Day holiday. President Biden is scheduled to visit Milwaukee and Pittsburgh. The White House says the president will highlight American workers. Tuesday. Massachusetts holds its primary for nine U.S. House seats as well as statewide posts, including governor. In the U.K., Queen Elizabeth will appoint a new prime minister. For the first time in her reign, the queen will make the appointment outside London at Balmoral in Scotland, her summer home. Wednesday. President Biden will host former President Obama and former First Lady Michelle Obama for the official unveiling of their White House portraits. Thursday. The NFL regular season kicks off with the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams hosting the Buffalo Bills. 
Saturday. Saturday, if the skies are clear, a full moon will make an appearance. It's commonly called the harvest moon, as many North Americans mark the start of harvest season. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. the news now you can with instant updates from fox news for amazon alexa just say alexa play news from fox in fox news it's the latest when you need it on demand from fox news and amazon alexa rate and review the fox news rundown on apple podcasts or wherever you listen it's time for your fox news commentary tom shalom what's on your mind labor day weekend is here And like most Americans, I like to kick back, relax, barbecue, you know, just like everybody. But I also like to take a moment to reflect on the meaning of the holiday. Of course, Labor Day is about America's workers. It was meant as a leisure day for the kind of hardworking Americans who toiled in the fields and in the factories. Now, in that spirit, I have a special holiday weekend movie musical recommendation. The Pajama Game. Based on the Broadway musical of the same name, the movie stars Doris Day and John Raitt. Yes, John Raitt. He was the father of Bonnie Raitt and a great musical theater performer in his day. Takes place in a pajama factory, and it features labor struggles and, of course, romance. It introduced a lot of great songs, many that you would probably recognize. The film also features one of the best dance sequences in musical theater history which was choreographed by a then-unknown Bob Fosse. You can find The Pajama Game on a streaming service near you. Go ahead, watch it, enjoy it, tell them I sent you. And have a great Labor Day. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.